Well, where does time go? Episode C of Series 2 of the Six Page Podcast. And it is fantastic to have your company once again, or for those tuning in for the first time, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be looking at Rear Window, the final scenes from the film, looking at the key scenes, characters, themes and the film techniques as well to help, I guess, strengthen your understanding of the film. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com. Happy to answer any questions you might have about Rewindow, and we will be doing a Q&A Rewindow podcast in the next week or so, so please send through any questions that you might have. You can also request a music theme or song if you wish. Now, we've got an announcement to make a little bit later on in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. You do not want to miss that. But we're going to get stuck into our first uh, song pretty quickly today. A bit of a long bow to draw here, but thinking about Hitchcock films, and I thought about the film North by Northwest, and I thought, why not go with a bit of North East and North East Party House, a band from Melbourne who've been around for quite a few years now, probably 10 years. We're going to play a few of their songs today, and after this, we're going to get back into our analysis of Rear Window. Okay, so we are returning to Jeffrey's apartment where he continues to watch his neighbours. But this time it is Miss Lonely Hearts that he is observing and he does this using his long focus lens. This is the first time he has used this piece of equipment to spy on a neighbour other than Thorwald. Now she's preparing to head out. She's doing her hair and she's doing her makeup. In the meantime, the songwriter is hosting a party while Miss Torso is practising a dance routine with a partner and coach. Jeffries observes Miss Lonely Hearts heading to the bar across the street, and he can he can do this by looking through the alleyway, which is the only sight he gets of the outside world from his apartment. Of course, he's stuck in this plaster cocoon. But just as she orders a drink, his focus switches to Lars Thorwald, who appears in the frame. And it's at this moment that Jeffries looks further into the shadows of the apartment, once again questioning whether his actions are moral. He observes Lars laying clothes on the bed and going through his wife's handbag and jewellery. As he's doing this, Lisa arrives and is greeted by Jeff, who asks her, what did you do with your hair? But as soon as she begins to answer, he cuts her off, again trying to dominate her. Her interest in the case excites him, though, and she tells him to come here and sits her on his lap. She was unable to really think clearly at work today, such was she consumed by the case. 
Now, Jeffries mentions the fact that he's been going through her handbag. That's Lars Thorwald has been going through his wife's handbag and jewellery, which piques Lisa's interest. It doesn't make sense, she says. Women aren't that unpredictable. A woman has a favourite handbag that always hangs on her bedpost, where she can get to it easily, and all of a sudden she goes on a trip and leaves it behind. Women don't keep their jewellery in a purse getting all twisted and scratched and tangled up. They don't leave it behind. Lisa here uses her female intuition to deduce that something is not quite right. This doesn't add up. A woman would never ever do this. And therefore, again, just deepening or strengthening her belief that Lars Thorwald is hiding something or that he is guilty. Now, switching tact from Anna Thorwald's purse comes attention on Lisa's overnight case. She's brought a suitcase with her to stay the night saying to Jeff, you'd said I'd have to live out of one suitcase. Here, she's being assertive. She does bring an overnight case. Now think about the context and what this means for the time. An unmarried couple sleeping together. That goes against social conventions of the time and would have been looked down upon by most people. Now please note with Jeff, Lisa and Jeffrey's relationship, it's been strengthened. And note how Lisa is starting to gain control through her assertiveness. I'm going to stay with you, she says. He says, you're going to have to clear that with my landlord. Again, hinting to the context of the time. She says, I'll trade you my female intuition for a bed for the night. And says, quoting or referring to films at the time, when they, the hero, are in trouble, it's always their girl Friday that helps them out of it. She's been reading up on her private eye literature. So she sees herself as being like a saviour for the man. But Jeffries is quick to retort by saying, but he never ends up marrying her. A close-up of Lisa is then shown, um, and it shows her being quite disheartened by that. <clears throat> Notice here in this scene as well, there's a mid-shot of Lisa laying down in front of Jeffries, who's looking on at her quite tenderly. She's finally gained his approval. That's through her interest in the case. Once again, we get a shot of the newlyweds, the husband opening the blind again to get air and to have a break, and this just reinforces Jeffrey's view on marriage, that it's quite suffocating. The husband is literally leaning out the window to escape to get some air. Now, Doyle arrives and doesn't say much as he enters. This scene is great to look at in terms of the morality around voyeurism, as well as having a look at gender roles of the time. <clears throat> there is a close-up of Lisa's overnight bag, and that is obviously from the perspective of Doyle, and it goes against the conservative values at the time and he makes comment on this now lisa walks in and says we think thorwald is guilty showing their connection and bond that is driven by their belief that thorwald is guilty in the case now hitchcock then uses a zoom in close-up and a low angle of doyle looking out the window to show his authority but it also mimics the scene previously where lisa looks out the window when she finally believes that lars thorwald is guilty However, this is the opposite. As Doyle says, Lars Thorwald is no more a murderer than I am. He then comments on the lack of morality or the immoral actions of voyeurism, saying, that's a secret private world you're looking into out there. People do a lot of things in private you couldn't possibly explain in public. He then goes on to say that your logic is backwards. Lisa then um, provides him with her uh, opinion and her perspective on the issue, to which he retorts saying that female intuition stuff sells magazines, but in real life it's still a fairy tale. 
I don't know how many years I've been tracking down leads based on female intuition. Once again, underestimating a woman. This continually happens throughout the film, the male characters underestimating women. Following this, he has a go at Jeff and asks him, do you tell your landlord everything as he's looking at Lisa's overnight case with her night clothes and her slippers? To which he says, careful, Tom. Now, as Doyle closes his evidence on the case, Lisa walks over to stand with Jeff once again, reinforcing their connection and the fact they both share the same theory. They are united by this. Doyle leaves, and the following scene um, shows the songwriter, alone, looking out of his apartment as his guests sing Mona Lisa. Now, the framing on the window accentuates his loneliness and isolation from the party guests, and the following shots are nice nice, sorry, juxtapositions. Miss Torso is shown alone in her apartment, while Miss Lonely Hearts has brought home a date. He's kind of young, isn't he? As he begins to kiss her, she stops and pulls down the blinds. Yet these are Venetian blinds, so Jeffries and Lisa can still look in, and what they see is the man forcing himself on her. She pushes him out of the apartment and begins crying. Her strength is similar to that shown by Miss Torso earlier on in the film. This pushes Jeffries and Lisa to finally genuinely consider the ethics of their actions in spying on others. And there's some great quotes in this dialogue. Jeffries asks, I wonder if it's ethical to watch a man with binoculars and a long focus lens. Do you suppose it's ethical even if you prove that he did not commit a crime? Jeffries asks this of Lisa. He's wanting her to validate his actions. But this is a crux of the film. If Thorwald is guilty... Does it still make the voyeurism ethical? Does it still make it moral? Lisa remarks that she's not much on rear window ethics, to which Jeffrey says, of course, they have the same chance. They can look at me like a bug under glass if, if they want to. But isn't Jeff the one continually hiding in the shadows? Lisa then says, you and me with long faces. Plunge into despair because we find out that a man didn't kill his wife. We're two of the most frightening ghouls I've ever known. You'd think we could be a little happy that the poor woman is alive and well. Whatever happened to the saying, love thy neighbour? Lisa then closes the blind, saying, show's over for tonight, and takes her suitcase and says a preview of coming attractions. She asks, does Mr Doyle think I stole the case? Such was his preoccupation with it, yet it is the connotations that come with it that were his real concern. Now, as Lisa appears in her outfit, a scream is heard. She opens the blinds to find the woman who owns the dog yelling out. Another really important quote, and it links in with this idea of social isolation and community, or lack thereof. Which one of you did it? Which one of you killed my dog? You don't know the meaning of the word neighbour. Neighbours like each other, speak to each other, care if somebody lives or dies, but none of you do. There is a low camera angle of the woman screaming out, and it allows her to look down or talk down to her neighbours. The camera perspective shifts here briefly as well, because we as the audience are now looking in at Jeffries and Lisa. And as stated previously, this scene really highlights the social isolation and lack of community within the, in the neighbourhood, but we do see glimpses of characters that do show the fact that they care and show compassion, such as Miss Lonely Hearts, who places the dog carefully in the basket, as well as Miss Torso, who is shot um, for the only time in the film with a close-up and a bit of a low-angle shot too. Uh, this obviously is filmed from outside Jeffrey's apartment, and once again, one of the few times that is done. 
In contrast to those two characters, the party guests don't really care um, about what's happening. They go straight back inside. And uh, as we find out with Jeff, his prime concern during this whole thing was Thorwald. And he mentions that in the whole courtyard, he was the only one that didn't come out. And they learn, or they come to the um, realisation that the dog must have known too much. The subsequent scene sees Stella, Lisa and Jeffries all together, and there's a really nice mid-shot of the three of them together, showing their camaraderie. And Jeff is interested in the flower bed and gets Lisa to hand him an instrument, which allows him to look at his photos. He notices that in the space of the garden where the dog was curiously sniffing around, new flowers have been planted, and he reasons that Thorwald must have used it to bury part of Anna Thorwald. The framing here is really interesting. We have Lisa and Stella watching over Jeff's shoulder as he uses the lens, and the dark lighting just reflects the increasing danger involved in their voyeurism. Jeff then writes a note that Lisa, who is becoming more assertive and taking control of the situation, slides under Thorwald's door and is able to evade him quite smoothly. You did it, Thorwald, Jeff says. He's now narrating Thorwald's movements and will continue to do so, much like a director in a film. This is Jeffrey's own show. Lisa then uses the portable keyhole and using her knowledge as a nurse, notices that Miss Lonely Hearts is laying out pills and expresses concern for her welfare. That's not Lisa, I should say, that is Stella. Stella looks at Miss Lonely Hearts and sees her laying out pills. But noticing that Thorwald is playing with the ring, Lisa, who has returned, states the last thing that she would leave behind is a wedding ring. Stella concurs, saying the only way somebody would get that, being a wedding ring, off her would be to chop off my finger. Once again, it is female intuition that comes to the fore to place guilt on Lars Thorwald, and Stella and Lisa plan on digging up the garden bed to try and find some evidence. But Jeff is hesitant, due to the precarious and dangerous nature of the job. Lisa is actually quite condescending, in asking, Jeff, if you're squeamish, just don't look, jabbing at his pride once again and emasculating him. The following exchange that ensues between the three of them suggests that Jeff is starting to understand the importance of Stella and Lisa and his reliance on them, and this is especially true for Lisa. He says, we scared him once, maybe we can scare him again. I guess I'm using the word we a little freely. You're taking all the chances. To which Lisa mocks him saying, shall we vote him in, Stella? And she says unanimously. Remember that Jeff didn't want to let Lisa into his life of travel and international intrigue. Jeff then calls Thorwald once again, narrating, Go on, pick it up. Go on, you're curious. You wonder if it's a girlfriend, the one you killed for. Go and pick it up. And Jeff is able to get Thorwald out of the apartment to meet him at a bar. As a result, Lisa and Stella are able to go down to the courtyard. They climb a ladder and go over a fence and begin digging, but find nothing. As this is happening, Jeff calls Doyle, only to find he's not at home. Lisa waves at Jeffries in the courtyard, and he waves back. His admiration for her is increasing. Jeff notices that Miss Lonely Hearts is writing at her desk, and, unknowingly, says Stella was wrong about Miss Lonely Hearts, once again showing his inability to comprehend women. Having found nothing in the garden bed, Lisa now instinctly climbs up, I should say, a fire escape ladder, and impressively manages to enter Thorwald's apartment. Lisa wearing a floral dress and heels, 
shows Jeff that she can be adventurous while maintaining her style. Through close-ups, we see Jeff's shock reaction to this and the fact that he has no control whatsoever in this situation. Once again, he's emasculated. However, Lisa doesn't find the wedding ring inside the handbag, and Stella returns, but notices that Miss Lonely Hearts is planning to commit suicide. Upset, she urges Jeffries to call the police, which he does. However, Miss Lonely Hearts is stopped by the music coming out of the songwriter's apartment. So too, though, is Lisa. A long shot shows Miss Lonely Hearts and Lisa concurrently looking out the window, moved by the music, once again linking the two of them together. The use of framing here is very important from Hitchcock. While this is happening, however, Thorwald has returned and Lisa is stuck in his apartment. Jeffries asks the police to get to Thorwald's apartment to save Lisa. An argument begins between Thorwald and Lisa, though, who has been caught in his apartment, and close-ups of Jeff cut in and out to show the pain and anguish on his face. He is unable to save Lisa. He is stuck, immobile, and powerless. Thorwald turns off the light, li- limiting Jeffrey's ability to see, as Lisa calls out his name, asking him for help. Once again, this is torturing him. Luckily, the police somehow managed to arrive just 58 seconds after Jeffrey's phone call. And as they begin questioning Lisa, a close-up through Jeffrey's camera shows Lisa pointing to her hand where she has placed the wedding ring on her finger. Not only does this provide Jeffries with concrete evidence, but it is Lisa subtly hinting to Jeff that this is what she wants, commitment and marriage. However, Thorwald has noticed this, and as Jeff's view shifts to him, he looks directly into the camera. This is known as breaking the fourth wall, and Thorwald looks at the voyeurs, which is both Jeffrey and the audience, implicating them in the voyeurism. Jeff's sudden impulse is to move away from the window and turn off the lights, underlining the guilt he feels in the immoral actions he has committed. Lisa is arrested and taken away, and once again, Jeff can't do anything about it. He asks Stella to bail him out, and as he doesn't have enough money, provides her with photography equipment. As this is happening, Thorwald leaves the apartment looking back as he does this, but Jeffries does not see this, increasing the tension further. We're going to go to another break now, and on the other side of this break, we're going to finish off the remaining scenes from Rear Window. This is a six-piece podcast. We'll be right back after this.
So Stella has left to go and or attempted bail Lisa out of jail. And after she leaves, Jeffries receives a phone call from Doyle and explains to him the events which have just unfolded. Really like the quote here from Jeff again showing his admiration for Lisa, saying to Doyle, boy, you should have seen her. Doyle says he will go down to the precinct to check, check in on Lisa and hangs up. Jeffrey's looking across the courtyard, notices Thorwald's empty apartment, and soon answers the phone, assuming that it is Doyle, saying, Tom, I think Thorwald's left. But there's no response but silence. A zoom in on Jeff's face shows his concern, and he quickly turns around upon hearing a noise from outside his apartment. Jeffrey's is now isolated and powerless. The light in the corridor from outside his apartment is switched off, and we hear ominous footsteps approaching. Jeffries places himself in the darkness near the window, and Thorwald enters the apartment. He asks Jeff, What do you want from me? Jeff doesn't respond. Your friend, the girl, could have turned me in. Why didn't she? What is it you want? A lot of money. I don't have any money. Say something. Say something. Tell me what you want. Can you get that ring back? Now, Jeffrey's inability to respond perhaps suggests that he's unable to justify his actions. Thorwald is scrutinising him and now has all the power over the immobile and helpless protagonist. Now, as Thorwald approaches Jeffrey's, he's able to hinder him briefly by using his photographic equipment, namely flashbulbs, but ultimately Thorwald is able to push him out the window and into the very space that he has been looking into all this time. In fact, the scuffle that ensues forces all the neighbours to race out, and the roles are now reversed, with everyone in the neighbourhood looking at Jeff. Hitchcock speeds up the shots and builds the danger of the situation, but the police are able to capture Thorwald just as Jeff drops to the ground. He is met by Stella, Doyle and Lisa. Stella immediately swings into nurse mode, asking for her medical kit, while Jeffries comes to the realisation that he needs Lisa in his life. This is their exchange. Lisa, sweetie, if anything had happened to you, I'm alright. Gee, I'm proud of you. Jeffries' head is now in Lisa's lap. Amazingly, Thorwald managed to confess to the crimes, explain what was in the garden bed, and where his wife was, all within just 23 seconds, which I think is very impressive. Now, the final sequence in the film shows a neighbourhood, and the heatwave is now over, and that's symbolised by or represented by the thermometer or a close-up of the thermometer. This closing scene reflects the opening scene quite closely. Now, the songwriter and Miss Lonely Hearts are both together in his apartment listening to the first release of his song, the very song that saved her. In fact, she says that. You don't know what this song means to me. The Thorwald's apartment is being repainted. The couple now have a new dog, suggesting that they trust the community once again. And to our surprise, Miss Torso's partner returns from the army. Miss Hearing Aid is sound asleep outside and the newlyweds are fighting after the husband has quit his job, much to his wife's chagrin. Inside the apartment, Jeffries is fast asleep with his back to the window, but with two broken legs. He is no longer interested in what is happening outside. Lisa is reading beyond the high Himalayas, suggesting that she is able to be part of Jeff's world, and she is wearing a far more relaxed outfit. She is wearing casual shoes, jeans, and a casual shirt. 
She takes a glimpse of Jeff and, finding he is asleep, pulls out a Harper's Bazaar magazine and smiles, showing her ability to balance both aspects of her life, and she has proven herself to Jeff. The final shot is of the blinds being closed, and the film ends there, and so too does the audience's voyeuristic adventure. So that's a run-through of the film. What we're going to do is we're going to put up all the analysis of the film into one podcast without any music in case you want to listen to just that. And that will go for a little bit over an hour. So a fair bit of analysis there. Following on from this, we're going to look at the characters. We're going to look at some key themes as well. And uh, we're going to do a Q&A next week too. So if you do have any questions about the film, please send them through to 6pspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, just a little announcement to make. We have just uh, uploaded some videos to a YouTube channel. So if you search for Six Piece Podcast on YouTube, you'll be able to find some clips and we hope to add to that throughout the year to provide you with something a little bit extra to have a look at. But until next time, this has been the Six Piece Podcast reminding you that proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. Are we finished? Done.